0: Welcome to the third episode of the To Be Decided podcast. And we've got a lot to get into here. Isaac, how are you doing, man?
1: Good, good. A little tired because we're just coming. This is fresh. If you guys didn't know, we are filming this on Thursday night. This is fresh off the Clippers-Suns game, but we will be back on Monday. So we will be releasing really, soon. The time you guys see this will be Friday. Lots of news that's going to be packed into this episode and Monday's episode, so make sure you guys tune in. Let's just get right into it.
0: All right. Let's start off with that first game of the Eastern Conference Finals. It was a great game. I, I cannot say anything about this game that hasn't really already been said, but let's get into it anyways, man. I I, I want to talk about this game. When I was finished watching it, I, I wanted to have a podcast that night, man. That's how excited I was about this thing. So uh, I'll let you get started, and then I got a lot to say myself afterward.
1: Yeah, I mean you couldn't have said it any better. This this game was it was a terrific game. The Hawks surprise everyone again. The villain role that is played by Trey Young has been played to perfection once again. They steal game one. Not only do they steal it, but they steal it in Milwaukee. A great game all around by this team. This team just really under David McMillan has really just came together and just absolutely dominated. And I really don't see a way. Obviously I think the Bucs can still take this series, but as far as the Hawks' concerned, I mean, I love I love what each and every person really put out on the floor. And it was just a great game. Capella hit some big shots down the stretch. Trey Young was absolutely amazing in this game. Really didn't show any signs of slowing down. He's really proven to be, like you said in the past episode, a top six to seven-point guard in this league. Everyone came out to play. I mean, as far as the Hawks' side of things, before we get into the Bucs, what did you think about their efforts?
0: Um. I wanted to say that Trey Young, man, I every time I think he's doing as good as he can, he takes it up another level. Mm-hmm. This guy, and what is arguably the biggest game of his career, had arguably the best game of his career. I mean, you can't make it up with this guy. Anything he can do, he will do. We saw the shimmy after he crossed one of the best defenders in the league. Very we deep. saw the, the lob off of the glass to John Collins. Vicious. I mean, this guy is playing the villain role to perfection. He did it against New York. He did it against Philly. Now he's doing it against Milwaukee. The Milwaukee fans aren't quite as rude as the Philly fans and the (laughs) Knicks fans, but I'm sure he still wants to stick it to Aaron Rodgers and some of the Packer players at the games. Um, And as far as Milwaukee goes, you've got to get rebounds at the end of games. Big three in the last minute of the game. Three offensive rebounds before he hit it. And then on Atlanta's last bucket, uh, I believe it was Trey Young. Sorry if I'm wrong. Missed a shot, and then Clint Capella grabbed the board, put it up for two. You can't be allowing offensive rebounds in a clutch game like this if you're Milwaukee. And also, Chris Middleton's got to be better. You saw a great game from Giannis. You saw a great game from Drew Holiday. If you're Chris Middleton, you got to step up. you got to make some big-time shots. You got to bring it home for the team if they're asking you to be the closer. Because if he keeps missing big time shots like that, I think Drew Holiday might take over his closing role. And I'm sure Chris Middleton doesn't want that. I'm sure he wants to be the closer. So he's got to step up. And then, uh, honestly, my biggest takeaway from this game is Nate McMillan, man. He continues to outcoach some of the Eastern Conference's uh, better coaches. And I think Doc Rivers is a good coach. I think Tom Thibodeau is a good coach. Outcoach both of them. And last night he outcoached coached Budenholzer, which uh, I have some things to say about him. I'll get into that later. But um, any more thoughts you had about this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, we said, it, we said it in the last episode. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday had to step it up, and we saw Drew Holiday step it up. He had 33-10. But like you said, Chris Middleton was the closer. He just couldn't hit those big shots down the stretch, obviously missing the game-tying shot. But it comes down, I mean, you even look to Giannis. Giannis was fouled. He hit two shots, two free throws. You don't see that from Giannis every day. Obviously free throws being a concern. I mean, everyone really showed up except for Chris Middleton. So I just like to see a little bit more. Shooting six for twenty three is just not gonna cut it as the second best scorer on your team. And I mean he just really has to step it up. The bench really they not a lot of scoring, but not a lot of minutes themselves as that that starting role starting lineup played a very heavy, heavy minutes throughout the entire game. But don't discredit the Hawks, man. They're they're here. They're here to stay. Three wins away from the finals. Do you think that this game maybe have persuaded you to maybe give the Hawks maybe a game or two or even the series itself?
0: Um, I think there's no way the Hawks don't get at least one more. So I think it's going at least six. I'm still going to go with the Bucks. I think I'm going to say Bucks and seven. I think the Hawks get two more wins, but I do think the Bucks ultimately will advance to the finals. And then one thing I wanted to say about Milwaukee is they could have wrapped up that net series in six games with all the injuries due to Harden not clearly not being himself, Kyrie missing some games. And they could, they could also be dominating this series if they had a different coach. If you watch the offense that Mike Budenholzer has implemented there, you'd realize he didn't implement an offense. It's isolation ball. The offense is completely stagnant. They get the ball to Giannis. The only time there's ever any ball movement is when Giannis drives him kicks. When Middleton gets it, it's like a black hole. He shoots almost every time. And when he doesn't shoot, he makes a pass to someone who's not open. He's not finding cutters. And then Drew Holiday is a relatively good playmaker. But I honestly think he should have the ball in his hands more. Obviously, last night he had a big game, and he did have the ball in his hands a lot. but other games, I don't see him getting the ball in his hands as much. And... I really think they need a new head coach. And the Bucs could win the championship, and I would still think he deserves to be fired. He's mm. he's a coach that's great in the regular season. He can get you 60 wins. He can get you the one seed. But in the playoffs, he's fallen short time and time again. And this year, when you look at the other teams, if you're just looking on the, on the talent at each roster, this should be the Bucks finals to take. But I'm not very confident in saying they will take it. I see Phoenix playing team basketball. I see the Clippers playing team basketball. I see the Hawks playing team basketball. And I see the Bucks, the most talented team left, playing isolation ball. And I I really don't like to see it. And I I think it's the coach's fault because I know Chris Middleton is not some sort of ball hog player. I know he's willing to move the basketball. I know Giannis is willing to move it. I've seen Drew Holiday on other teams moving the basketball. So I'm really not a big fan of Mike Budenholzer. I believe that this should be his last season with the team. And uh, I think Nate McMillan is clearly out-coaching him. And Nate McMillan has had a rough road, obviously, fired by the Pacers. He was an assistant with the Hawks. Lloyd Pierce gets fired. Nate McMillan steps over, takes an under 500 team, all the way to the fourth seed, or maybe fifth seed, fourth or fifth. And then, it was the fifth seed, my fault. And then, ultimately, now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, so kudos to you, Nate McMillan. You're a great coach, deserves some more respect. I think you should be in the top five coach in the league conversation after this year. And um, that's all I got to say about this game.
1: Yeah, I wanted, I want to add one more thing before we move on to the other side of the conference finals game, just back to Chris Middleton. I really think he is the pivotal player between this series of whoever it goes to. If Chris Middleton can't pick it up, I can see the Hawks coming out of this series on top because honestly, with his play, it's just not going to cut it. Like, like you said, this team is stacked with talent. They have great players. I've been saying since the beginning of the season started, Drew Holiday has been one of the most underrated players and one of the under, most underrated pickups as far as the championship squad has really picked up. I think he's a great player. He played great when he played in New Orleans, played with a lot of young guys. Now he's coming in with a Giannis and a Chris Middleton he's played even better. I, I really like this team, but I really think Chris Middleton is the pivotal standpoint and whether or not this team really thinks that they have a future I want to keep keep moving on in the playoffs. And they're going to, have to get a couple wins on the board. I think they can. We're going to find out. I want to go to the other conference finals, though, Hayden. The Clippers Suns, game three. Pivotal game from the Clippers. They don't want to go down 3-0. Thoughts on the whole from this game?
0: Well, obviously, we just finished up watching that game, so it's so fresh on our minds. Uh, it was really a great game if you're a Clippers fan to watch. They were fantastic on the defensive side of the basketball and they were good on the offensive side of the basketball. And they got to see their backcourt in Reggie Jackson and Patrick Beverly outplay what is arguably the best backcourt in the league due to Clay Thompson being injured in Chris Paul and Devin Booker, all right? Um, you got to see, you got to see um, some great shots from Reggie Jackson. You got to see Patrick Beverly doing what he does, getting in people's heads, getting in their way. He had a minor little scuffle with Jay Crowder at one point in the game. He hit some big threes. Um, I was very uh, proud of the way that the Clippers played. I mean, I, I think that this team shows a lot of fight, a lot of heart in playing this way. Beating what has been the best team in the West so far this playoffs without their best player. It really shows a lot about them. And then from Phoenix's side, Chris Paul, you got to shoot better from the field. And Devin Booker, you got to shoot better from the field. I know Devin Booker has had some issues with his nose. He's wearing a mask tonight. I know Chris Wall's coming off of COVID. Ultimately it's the playoffs. There's no excuses. You gotta put the ball through the hoop. And neither of them did it very efficiently tonight.
1: Yeah, great points to be made there. I obviously, as being an Oklahoma fan, not the biggest fan of Pat Bev. You know, he's really ended ended a lot of a lot of playoff runs for the Thunder and not a lot of stuff going on with him and Russell Westbrook through the past. But I loved him tonight. He he was very confident in his shot. He was taking shots early. He, he was very gritty on the defensive side. I loved him tonight. And just going back to the Sun side, though, we were talking about it. This name coming off the bench now, he gets hurt, only played four minutes. That name is Cameron Payne. If he's out long-term, how do you feel like that could really really shift the momentum in this series?
0: I mean, I think this injury is absolutely terrible news for Phoenix. It hurts their bench very badly. And they really have no other backup guards. I know they have Eton Moore. He's played a few minutes. He's not a great player. He's a decent player at best. And then you got Javon Carter, who I liked him coming out of West Virginia, but he really hasn't shown anything to me that makes me trust him in this type of Western Conference scenario. He's had some good regular season games. I've never seen him perform in the playoffs. I'm not willing to trust him on the big stage. So where do you go? Where Who do you go to if you're Phoenix off of the bench? And um, also Chris Paul, he's shown throughout his entire career He's not always healthy. I mean, even this season, obviously, COVID isn't something that's gonna happen again. It's a one-time thing. But he was injured earlier with the shoulder problem against the Lakers. What if the shoulder gets hit again? What if he's out? Then you got your top two point guards missing. Maybe you slide over Booker to the guard. But who's your backup guard? Who do you have two? I mean, I just see a lot of problems that could potentially arise here for Phoenix. But I saw the injury. I don't think it was terrible. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope and I think that Cameron Payne should be back soon, and uh, prayers up to him. But Phoenix is going to be in a lot of trouble if his injury is anything serious.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Clippers, like like we said, they they came out, they made a statement. They said they're not going home just yet. They've been down 2-0 before. I mean, lot lots of stuff to really come. I really think this game, this series itself, has potential to really go six or seven. But like you said, Chris Paul with injuries, Cameron Payne maybe be out. Potential. I mean. That, that just leaves a massive hole in that Suns team. And as much as we've loved watching them play this entire season, for it to go out like injuries, just injuries have been just a pain this entire playoffs. And for it to come at this very moment in time in the conference finals when you're two wins away from the finals, it'd be very unfortunate for it to happen. But like you said, prayers up to Cameron Payne. Hopefully he comes back healthy and strong. And um, yeah, I mean, we're going to find out what's going to happen with this series.
0: Yeah, and just like you were saying, man, I mean, this is one of this has been one of the best playoffs in recent history. But it could have been even better if there's less injuries. Obviously, uh, Kawhi Leonard's out for the Clippers. The Jazz were missing Mike Conley for a few games last series. Donovan sure, Mitchell's sure. missed a game. Chris Paul was missing time earlier in the playoffs. Anthony Davis, LeBron James was Kyrie. clearly clearly not at a hundred percent. Kyrie Irving, James, James Harden. Harris. Jalen Brown yeah. didn't even get to see the playoffs due to a left wrist injury. Um, yeah. se- just several stars missing. Obviously, now Cameron Payne, he's not an all-star. He's not at the level of those other guys, but he's still a very integral part of that Phoenix Suns roster. And even yeah. though, luckily, we've still seen a great playoff. Um, we've seen teams step up without big guys. The the Suns are actually 4-0 without Chris Paul. Uh, the Clippers are three and two without Kawhi Leonard. So teams have been stepping up and we've still got to see great basketball every night, but um, it's still a shame to see a lot of these stars missing time because at the end of the day, we, we don't turn on the TV for Jared Dudley. We turn on the TV for LeBron James.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, even going into the play-in tournament, just kind of focusing on injuries for a second, Karis Lillard didn't even get to see the play-in tournament. Maybe that could have shifted maybe an eight seed. The Pacers could have slipped in. You even go back to the middle of the season, Jamal Murray – a terrible injury, tears his ACL. That team, I really felt like they had a team that they could have gone to the – I really liked them as favorites out of the West for a very long time.
0: I think they could have won the championship this year. For sure. For sure.
1: Yeah, you get Jamal Murray. You got Nikolo Jokic, the reigning MVP, and so much firepower on that team.
0: Yeah, you're just taking away Jamal Murray. You're taking away their second-best scorer, and he's also their best on-ball defender people forget he came into the league. Um, Scouts were saying he was going to be a liability on the defensive end before. And now he's one of the best on ball defenders at the guard spot in the entire league. So he's really got better at that spot. And oh, we, saw, we all saw on the bubble what he can do scoring the basketball. So truly a huge loss for Denver. I definitely don't think they would have got swept by the Suns. And I do think that series would have gone seven if Murray was there. I don't know who would have won, but it would have been an all time classic series. And, uh, It's a shame for the Nuggets because I do think they had championship aspirations this year, but they'll be back next year. We'll get to see Murray next year. We'll get to see a lot of these guys back next year. Jalen Brown, Tyree Irving. Obviously the Warriors didn't make the playoffs, but uh, Klay Thompson will be hopefully back for them next year. If he doesn't have any setbacks and, uh,
1: she goes Alexander, man. She goes
0: Alexander. Not <laughs> he that, was that, that the Thunder are relevant in uh, <laughs> playoff time anyways, but.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunate. Those injuries have just been piling up this season. I mean, it's it's just really an unfortunate series of events that has occurred. But we're here. We're going to see what's going to happen. Clippers, Suns, we'll see.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I got to admit, I, I said last podcast that which make sure to check out that episode if you haven't seen it yet. But I said Suns in five. I'm starting to read that. I don't think Suns will take this in five. I think it's going at least six now. Uh, the Clippers showed me something today.
1: Yeah, uh, statement game, like I said. Uh, we're going to go to another team, and I'm going to just start out right off the rip. I'm going to toot your horn, Hayden. I mean, we were talking about coaching, coaching um vacancies. um Rick Carlisle. He's he's joining rejoining the Pacers. Um Hayden, you, you can take this one over. This was your shot. You you said it, not a lot yeah, of I gotta, around
0: it. I say the second I knew you were shifting this topic, I got a smile on my face, man.
1: <laughs> last sure.
0: podcast, like I just said, if you haven't seen it yet, make sure. Pause this episode, go back, watch that one, and then come back to this, okay? Um last episode I said Rick Carlisle in the Pacers is just an absolutely perfect fit and what do you know? The Pacers must have been listening to the podcast because the next day they hire Rick Carlisle. Perfect hire. He's he's a coach that will get the most out of these young guys. You know, Rick Carlisle, y- yeah, we've seen him with stars like Dirk. We've seen him with stars like Luca. But we've also seen him get the best out of some guys who aren't necessarily superstars. We've seen Jason Terry play amazing basketball in the 2011 playoffs. We saw Peja Storjokvic play some good basketball in the 2011 playoffs. Ooh. We saw even Jason Kidd, who we'll get into later, in 2011, he was way past his prime and still had a great great season with the Mavericks getting them that championship. We saw Tyson Chandler play great with them, who is a great rim protector. And you know who else is a great rim protector? Miles Turner.
1: A lot if of great stuff Rick Carlisle said about him.
0: Yeah, if he said a lot about Miles Turner. I've seen him uh, turn a big into a great player before, Tyson Chandler. And what he said about Miles Turner is Miles Turner is a modern big. He's a, he thinks he's a futuristic type of NBA center, and I agree with him because I compared him to Tyson Chandler. But one thing he has that Tyson Chandler never did is a perimeter shot. He can shoot the three at a high off team. One of the best shooting centers in the league, I'd say he's top five at that position for shooting threes. And um, I was saying last podcast that potentially he could be moved, and uh, you could. St- uh, uh move uh Sabonis down to the five from the four but if Carlisle really believes that he can make it work with the two twin towers down low with Brogdon and Levert in the backcourt and hopefully TJ Warren another player that was injured can come back and slide in at the small forward next year I really think that team has uh somewhere between the eight and six seed aspirations for next year um if they can make some good off-season moves, potentially use that 13th pick on a nice young guard, maybe a Trey Mann, maybe a Josh Giddy. I think that uh, they could have a very good season next year, and I definitely don't think they're going to be missing out on the playoffs again next year. I think they'll be right back in. I think this was a tremendous A-plus higher for the Indiana Pacers.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I want to go back to that that draft pick. We were talking about this earlier. I mean – Josh, Josh Giddey, Trey Mann, another name like Jaden Springer, a lot of, a very guard heavy draft like we were talking about, but yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of picks, I mean, they have the 13th pick. They can really utilize this pick for a lot of good stuff. They, like you said, they got those two really good big men, like Miles Turner and Demonte Sabonis. Do they want to go with a garden? Like you said, I think Josh Giddy might be their guy. I mean, at 13, he's a six, eight point guard, very versatile out of Australia, I think he could be just like a kind of wild-card pick. Obviously, a lot of boomer and bust with those overseas players, but we could see them utilize this pick on him, and I wouldn't be opposed to it. Rick Carlisle, I mean, he's had his ways with the overseas players. Will will he be able to strike with another one? We'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah. um, Also, TJ McConnell is a free agent this season, so if they're getting a guy like Giddy, you would assume McConnell walks, but if they hold on to McConnell, I think they could potentially use – their pick on a uh, defensive-minded small forward or power forward. I don't have any uh, particular names in mind, but I know there's a lot in that draft class they could take a look at, uh, maybe even trade down if there's uh, none of the top options at 13, get one maybe later around the 20th pick. But uh, I don't think is going to stay. I think he's going to go to a contending team that needs a guard. So I do think Giddy would be a great pick for them. Trey Mann also would be a nice little spark plug off the bench. We saw in the NCAA tournament, he can get hot, he can hit big shots. Um, and that's, that's really all I got to say about Indiana.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to go even more into depth with it, you, you got guys like a great player. He's played all four years out with Gonzaga, Corey Kispert even. You know, talking about like small forward, power forward type guys, Isaiah Jackson, Kai Jones out of Texas. Just those guys that can really really come in and make a difference off your bench, even like a James Book Knight out of Yukon. I mean a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff that, that the Pacers can even utilize, whether or not like we said, we thought maybe Miles Turner could be a trade asset. Maybe you can combine them and maybe have a little trade, but it seems Rick calling. he he said that he's the big of the future, like you were saying. I mean, we're gonna see with that Pacers team. Lots of unknowns, lots of questions. But the offseason is just young, so we don't really know what this team could look like.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And another team that has a very interesting offseason ahead of them happens to be the Dallas Mavericks, but the first domino seems to be falling, and that is, it's looking very, very likely that Jason Kidd is going to be their next coach. And uh, I've been on the record saying I don't believe Jason Kidd is the greatest head coach, but I think... In this situation in Dallas, is perfect for him. I think he'll fit right in as a, not only a coach for Luka Doncic, but also a mentor of sorts. He knows what it's like to be a star guard in this league. And uh, I think him and Luka would have a great relationship, but I also think Jason Kidd wouldn't back down from Luka. He wouldn't let Luka boss him around. I think he would stand up for himself, and he'd be the coach of the team. He would, he would implement some guidelines that everyone has to follow, and he's not going to treat Luka – As some amazing superstar who can do whatever he wants, you know, I think he'll make sure Luca gets to work. He'll make sure Luca is playing great basketball, playing team basketball, not being selfish. I think Luca will cut down on his technicals this year. I don't think Jason Kidd's gonna let that fly. And um, next up for the Mavericks, they really need to get a GM in there because I think I look at their roster, I see a lot of moves that need to be made. They need to offload that Christoph Porzingis contract. I don't think Porzingis is a bad player like some other people are out there saying, but he's definitely not a player worthy of that contract. So I think they need to get him off the books, open up some space. Um, and I think they should bring in a, a good point guard to compliment Luca. I see a guy like Kyle Lowry is going to be available this offseason. Uh, I see guys like Spencer Dinwiddie are going to be available this offseason. I think the Mavericks should be taking looks at players like that. And then I also think they should get a guy down low, maybe in the draft if they trade up, or maybe in the offseason. I mean, it doesn't have to be an absolute superstar, but there's going to be a lot of guys available. Maybe you could get a Tristan Thompson from the Celtics, or even a Moses Brown or a Robert Williams. They got both of those young bigs. They're not going to complement each other because they can't shoot, so maybe Boston's willing to move off of one of those, and they could get their hands on one of those young big men to – put on Luca, because I don't really like what I'm seeing out of Willie Cauley-Stein, Dwight Powell, and um. last thing I got to say at the Mavericks is they're just a team full of role players with Luka Doncic, and ultimately, you don't want to surround him with just role players. The role players are good to have. They're going to fit in nicely once you get that second star, but you need to get your hands on that second star if you want to become a championship contender.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure if you knew this, but while wow. I was looking through the draft and they don't even own a pick. So I, I don't did not know that they, they don't even have a pick this draft. So a lot of unknowns there. I mean, and I just want to go back to last off season. There was guys like Jeremy Grant, Danilo Gallinari that were sitting there. I really thought at the time that those, they needed that small forward slash power forward role that could really step in. I thought Jeremy Grant would have been a great fit for them. They didn't even pull the trigger. There was a couple of rumors about maybe a sign and trade with Gallo to maybe go to the, go to the Mavs and, maybe trade something off. But like you said, I don't really see Dwight Powell or Willie cali being the future. Dwight Powell hasn't really shown any signs of really life even. And, I mean, the world's most enjoyable player in the NBA, Boban, he's just not your guy. He's sitting at 7'7", seven, seven, but nicest player in the NBA, but he's just not your guy for the future at all. Those big guys just can't really play a whole lot of minutes.
0: Uh, they don't move too well. Guys like him and Taco, they, they, you can really play them about 15 minutes max. They don't. They don't have – the type of cardio endurance and uh, with yeah. their size where they can be playing big minutes. I do think Bobon's a solid enough player, but I think he definitely belongs as a backup center. He's not a starting center. So, but I yeah. think these guys out there, I think uh, obviously Miles Turner, it doesn't look like he's going to be on the board anymore, but who knows, maybe even a team like golden States willing to take a flyer on uh, Porzingis and maybe you can try to, uh, either get a high pick out of them. They have the seventh pick, the 14th pick, and look to take a big with that. Or maybe um, if you package together Porzingis along with some draft picks from the obviously they don't have any this year, like you said, but from the future, maybe chuck in a guy like Dorian Finney Smith if Warriors uh, are interested in him and try to bring back someone like James Wiseman. I think would be a great fit with them. I'm not sure how all that would work with Cap. I don't think it would work unless uh, Wiggins or Draymond was thrown in there. I don't know how. Warriors feel about Wiggins, but I know they're definitely not going to be parting ways with Draymond to get Porzingis. Um, But these are just any ideas. I mean, whoever the Mavericks hire at GM should be more creative than I am. So they they should be able to work something out to get a good center on that roster and to get a good guard who can compliment Luca on the roster. It doesn't have to be a superstar at the guard or the center, but one of them does have to be an all-star. You got to get an all-star next to Luca. I think ideally... If I was the Mavs, I would try to get just a solid guy at center who can just grab boards and score. And then at point guard, I'd be looking for someone like a Kyle Lowry, maybe a younger option if there's available. But right now it's not looking like there's going to be a a point guard at that Lowry level that's a little bit younger than Lowry. So if I'm the Mavericks, I'm doing whatever I can to get my hands on Kyle Lowry. I'm doing whatever I can to get my hands on a solid big man. And um, potentially – uh, like you mentioned earlier, a guy like Jeremy Grant, not necessarily as good as Jeremy Grant, but someone like Robert Covington who can defend the three and the four and you can hit some threes because you got guys like Maxi Kleba at the four. Tim Hardaway Jr. plays the three sometimes. They're not necessarily the best defenders. And we saw the Clippers torch the Mavericks, even though the Mavericks had put up a lot of points. They weren't really holding the Clippers back at all. And, yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant would have been great for them, but obviously he's locked up into a deal with the Pistons. Maybe he'll move on from the Pistons, request a trade, but I doubt it because uh, I'd be excited to play with Cade Cunningham if I was him. But
1: if, yeah.
0: if they are interested in moving Jeremy Grant, the Mavericks should get their hands on him. I think that was a good uh, suggestion that you brought up.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of missed opportunities last offseason, but like you said, um, Kyle Lowry, I, I, I like it. I like a Kyle Lowry move. Maybe they, they really pushed to get Kyle Lowry, obviously, in the back end of his career, but he's got that vet experience. He's He is an NBA champion, so you can't discredit him at all. I really think he can come in and really really be that vet type of role that Luka hasn't really had to have as far as the point guard position goes. So I really think that he could be a good complement to Luka. But like you said also before, they're just really been complimented with the role players, like you were saying, Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleba. I mean, these guys have just been proven to just not be the guy at Luka's an absolute amazing passer and just has amazing vision on the court. And it when you're passing and you're hitting these guys like Maxi Kleba in the corner, I mean, he can knock it down a couple of times, but wouldn't you rather a guy like like you said, Robert Covington? I mean, these guys are guys that are going to go out and they're going to compete with Luka. They got the same mindset in mind. Obviously, everyone's trying to win a championship, but, like, you got that room. I'd, I'd try to make a push at maybe this offseason really trying to build your team. It starts with the staff, though. You gotta get a coach. Hopefully, Jason Kidd is able to step in. They gotta get a good GM. A whole a whole reset looking to be coming for this Dallas Mavericks team, and I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm sitting back and watching, yes. see what this team has in store for the future.
0: Yeah. I had one final thing I wanted to add is if they're looking to get off of Porzingis' contract and they're bringing in Kyle Lowry, I, I think Porzingis. I mean, you look at Toronto, they have one of the worst big man situations in the league. So you could potentially work out a sign and trade there to get Porzingis off of the books for Dallas. And I think if you're Toronto, why not take a flyer on him? You got Fred Van Fleet locked down. You got Pascal Siakam locked down. Why, why wouldn't you just take a chance on a guy like Porzingis when I mean, you have absolutely no big man of the future there? I know Chris Boucher is pretty good, but he's a slim guy. I don't think he would be the best five in the future for them. I think he works a little better as a four because he's shown the ability to shoot and stretch the floor. I think Porzingis would be a great power forward for or center for them, and I think they should take a chance on him. and I think if I'm the Mavericks, and I can bring in Kyle Lowry and get Porzingis' salary, uh, out of there send him to Toronto, I think I would do it. I think that makes sense for both teams if uh, Kyle Lowry is ultimately going to leave Toronto either way. So I think that's something both teams should consider this offseason.
1: You also got to remember, too, that Raptors team, they own the fourth pick in the draft. So a lot of firepower that could be coming out of that team. I think that's all we got for you guys today. Stay tuned, guys. Monday, obviously, we're not going to be posting anything Saturday or Sunday, but we do post Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be ready for that Monday podcast some things to look forward in the future we got mock drafts by the two of us coming up just more more diving into this this conference finals and really ultimately seeing who's the finals got and then any off-season news that we can cover we're going to be covering for you guys so make sure you guys stay tuned we're going to see you guys on monday peace peace